0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's pray as we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher. Father. We approach your presence humbly in the name of Jesus to ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and guide. We ask that he, dear Father God, would enlighten us according unto your holy written word, that he would quicken us and enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all the things that pertain to life and godliness. For we are here this night to learn and be taught of thee. We thank you, dear Father, for ears to hear and hearts to receive and minds that are open and for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy... Through demonstrations, signs, and wonders, the knowledge of the truth that will make us and keep us free. And for all this, we'll give all glory, honor, praise, blessing unto you for your deserving of it. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want to know, is God bigger in you tonight? Is He enlarging in you tonight? Is He expanding His borders in you tonight? Have you given Him more space and place inside you tonight? Praise God, you're on the right path. Glory to God, you must have been in church Sunday night. Amen. Glory. I want you to turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 14, if you would, please. John's Gospel, chapter 14. As you well know, we're talking about the subject of prayer. And we're looking at some things that Jesus said about prayer, and we're going to continue to do so tonight. We're in the Gospel of John, and in John's Gospel, we have certain things recorded here that the other Gospels did not record. It means we have another person's perspective as he is divinely led by the Spirit of God. Or the Holy Ghost inspired him to say some things that the others did not say. Nevertheless, it's all the Word of God. Amen? Amen. It's all the Word of God. John's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 12, is where we're going to pick it up at. And in this verse, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, in this particular verse, John, or Jesus, takes us into another dimension In the realm of prayer, another dimension. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, this isn't asking prayer like if you're asking the Father for something. This is stating your rights and privileges and demanding them to be done in the name of Jesus. Now, just before somebody gets all religious on me and upset thinking that, well, how can you demand something from God? Well, you're not demanding anything from God. You don't have to. God's given you everything he has. I said God has given you everything he owns. He's giving you the keys to the kingdom. You will notice he is talking about whatsoever you ask in my name. But the word ask, if you look it up in the Greek, you'll find out that the emphasis is on a command or a demand. Whatever you demand to be done in my name, that will I do. And we're going to clarify that in John 16 in a moment. But here he's saying, Whatever you demand to be done in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Notice, so that the Father is glorified in the Son. Amen. Ask If you ask or demand anything in my name, I will do it. This is demanding your rights and privileges to be carried out In your life, by the power and authority of the name of Jesus. And we can illustrate that. If you'll look at Acts Acts chapter 3, please. Hold your place there if you like. We're going to go back to it. But in Acts chapter 3, this particular use of the name of Jesus in demanding or commanding certain things to be done involves learning the power or the authority that is in the name of Jesus and then learning how to use the name of Jesus accordingly or properly. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, you know the story about Peter and John going into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to enter into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fasting eyes on him, with John said, look on us, and he gave heed to it of them, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee, notice, in the name. Now, he is speaking to this man. He is not saying anything to the Father. He is not asking the Father anything. He is speaking to the man. And he says to the man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. That's a command. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked with him entering into the temple walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel... Why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer be granted unto you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Now listen. And his name... Through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of ye all. Peter here reveals how the miracle took place. He says this was done by the power of the name of Jesus. Notice he spoke to the man. He gave a command. He took him by the right hand. He lifted him up. Notice, he had faith in the power of the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you ask or demand anything to be done in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It would behoove every single one of us to meditate the power and authority there is in the name of Jesus. It would do every single one of us good to find out all about that power and authority, digest it, get it on the inside of us, and then use our rights and privileges in the power of that name as He wants us to in the earth. There are certain things that are not going to be stopped until someone with authority on on the earth rises up in the power of the name of Jesus and says, No more! But he must understand the power and authority that is in that name. This was not praying to the Father and saying, Father, do something about this problem. That's not what they did. That's not what he did. And that's not what Jesus was teaching in John 14. He was saying, you have the right to use my name to exercise authority to receive your rights and privileges. Use it and I will do whatever it is that needs to be done. Look at Acts chapter 16, if you would, please. Here we see a man's feet and ankle bones receiving strength so that he that had never walked before can now walk walk as a command is given to him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 16, beginning at verse 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by sooth saying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. But this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, To come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Stop right there just for a moment. And what you discover is a command was given to a demon spirit. A spirit of divination that possessed this woman. And as the command was given with understanding of the power of the name of Jesus. The demon had to obey. Paul did not pray to the Father and say, Father, do something about this woman. Paul gave a command. He used the power and the authority given to him in the name of Jesus. He used the power of that name. He understood the authority that was in that name and he used it properly to command a devil to desist in its maneuvers through a person's life. Can you see that this is not prayer in the sense that we ask the Father for something? This is a command. This is a demand. And, beloved, every single one of us must understand this dimension of prayer. You can say it's prayer in, in, in a loose term, if you use it loosely. Generally speaking, it's prayer. But basically, it's giving a command. Technically, it's giving a demand. And you and I have the right to tell the devil in the name of Jesus to get off our property. Amen. We have a right to speak to our body and say, light up in the name of Jesus to the Word of God. Give it a command. Can you see that? Yeah. See, that's not praying to the Father and asking Him to do something. That is specifically giving a command. And Jesus said, if you will do it, I'll, I will do it. I will do it. In other words, He'll make it good. Now, to show you that born-again believers have this right, let's read on. This shows us how others do not. And when her master saw that the hope of her gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrate saying, These men, being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city, teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now let's stop right there. These men exercise authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a result of their exercising that authority and that right and that command, they troubled the demon world. This woman that brought gain to her masters was no longer capable of doing so because she lost those spiritual powers. They were cast out of her. She had no way to continue using those powers. Why? Because the power of the name of Jesus is more powerful than any other name that could possibly try to control someone's life. Now, I realize it stirred up all kinds of trouble, and I realize they were thrown into the inner prison, and I realize that as a result, they were beaten. As a matter of fact, let's read on. They were thrown into the inner prison. Go up back to verse 23 first. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, one translation says, after they had beaten them with rods, they were thrown into the inner prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. They put their feet fast in the stocks, and at midnight, Paul and Silas began to pray. Now, here's prayer. They began to pray and sing praises unto God in that place. As they prayed and sang praises unto God in the midnight hour, the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone was set free. You know, the power in the name of Jesus has a tremendous effect. Even what I call an overflow effect. It continued working, not only as a command was given, but as they prayed to the Father, which you know they prayed in the name of Jesus. It does not say that, but they were instructed to do so. They were delivered. They were set free. Others were delivered. Others were set free. And as a result of the power that was unleashed, this whole place got saved. These people got saved and there was a church established at Philippi. Now, that's power. That is power. Now, go with me, if you would, please. To Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse 13. Paul understood the authority that was in that name. He understood the power that was in that name. He knew how to use that name. He had the right to use that name. Jesus must have taught him how to give a command in his name because he was taught the gospel of no man, the Bible said. Jesus taught him the gospel himself. No one instructed him. He didn't talk to Peter and James and John and all these others and, and they teach him or instruct him as to what Jesus, you know, said to them. Here, we understand that Paul was taught of the Lord and used that name just like John taught it by the Spirit of God in his gospel and others used it as Peter in Acts chapter 3. And now Paul's doing the same thing, but who taught Paul? Jesus taught Paul to use his name. He used his name. Great results took place. He commanded things to be done. He spoke to devils and told them to stop. I'm going to tell you something right now. I've got to stop right there just for a moment. You know, devils have no power over you as a believer. Devils, demons, evil spirits, Satan himself has no power over you as a child of God. You have power and authority in the name of Jesus to command any demon force to desist in its maneuvers over your life. Children of the Most High God should not be fooling around with devils and demons. They should be putting them in their proper place. But, brother, can you tell me how to give a command in the name of Jesus and how can we really do this? Now, wait a minute. You have any kids? You ladies out there, you have any children? Have you ever given your children the command? Do the devil like you do your children when they're growing up. Now, you better stop that! Isn't it amazing we can talk to the children with a command, with a voice of authority, but when it comes to the devil, many don't know what to do. Do exactly what Paul said. I command you come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You and I have that right and privilege and you and I can do the same thing, but others can't. Let's read on. Verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Now, notice... They're quoting Paul. Well, Paul was preaching what Jesus taught him. Paul was doing what Jesus told him to do. Paul was preaching that name of Jesus and using that name so much that many of them saw the results. As a result of seeing what was taking place, they too wanted to get involved in having that kind of power. Can you see that? They saw success. They wanted success exorcists, those that were trying to cast out devils and demons and evil spirits but not having success, saw Paul having success and desired to do the same thing that he did? Well, let's read about it. And there were seven sons, one of Sceva, a Jew, chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. I want you to know the devils know Jesus. I said devils know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, the devils don't want to know you. If you know the power of the name of Jesus, the devils don't want any part of you. If you don't, they'll try to buddy up with you and move in. But if you do, they don't want in your house. Why? Because Jesus destroyed them. Jesus made an open show of them. Jesus demonstrated His power to be superior to their powers. All those fallen demon spirits now know their end they thought following lucifer was going to be a joy they thought they were going to have something good to experience throughout the rest of their days but they met up with jesus and jesus put them in their place they know jesus they knew paul they knew that paul knew that he had the right to use the name of jesus and so when he did they obeyed they listened So we know, Jesus. We know, Paul. But who are you? Did you hear that? Who are you telling us what to do? Think about that. Who are you to give us a command? Who are you to demand that we stop doing whatever, that we come out of this person? Who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. They didn't do that to Paul, did they? They knew Paul. They just admitted right there that they knew Paul. Can you see that? And you know what? If you know the power there is in the name of Jesus, they know you too. And if you say they've got to stop, you know what? They've got to stop. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And listen, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Do you know that you and I can magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or have His name magnified by using it properly? In the earth. I'm telling you, saints of God, this opens up a whole new realm, a whole new, a whole new dimension. Using your authority in that name, we can speak to cancerous tumors and command them to dry up by the root in the name of Jesus. And they have, that tumor has got to obey us. Amen. We can speak to our finances and command them to be blessed. And you know what? They have got to be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. We can speak to our businesses and we can say, you've got to prosper in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that business has got to prosper. We can do so much by using that name the way God wants us to use that name. But we have to know the power and authority there is in it. We've got to do another teaching on the power of the name of Jesus. How He got His name, the power vested in that name, how He obtained His name. I mean, that teaching is one that absolutely sets you free. It'll get you to rise up in, in, in new levels of faith using your authority to experience the glories of heaven as you use that name of Jesus and it's magnified in and through your life. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver so that mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Can you see that effect the name of Jesus had over this community? I'm telling you, Paul was known for using that name of Jesus as his battle axe in ministry. And when he spoke that name... I'm telling you, he shook the regions of the damned. Did you hear that? Do you realize that God wants us to rise up to a place that we too can shake those regions of the damned when we use the name of Jesus? Glory to God, that's true. Go on back, if you would, please, John chapter 14. And let's read it again. Verse 12 Verily, verily, I say unto you He that believeth on me the works that I do Shall he do also in greater works than these Shall he do because I go unto my Father And whatsoever ye shall ask or demand As your right and privilege in my name That will I do That will I do That will I do That will I do That will I do, will I do. Jesus is doing it You're using his name You are bringing His presence on the scene when you use the power and authority of His name. Can you see that? That will I do. Can you see that spirit of divination in, in that woman? Just like you saw Jesus ran scared because He used that name with all its authority and power and those demons tremble at the sound of His name. See, beloved, you and I have a whole lot more than what we have even recognized and realized as believers. Believers that are having problems with devils and demons have never come to appreciate the power that is in that name. I'm going to say that again. Believers having problems with devils and demons have never come to appreciate the power that's in that name. You know why? Because when you do, you will not invite them in. You will take a stand and you'll use that name as Paul did and others did and you'll command and demand your rights and privileges. Satan, get your hands off my family. Satan, get your hands off my body. Satan, get your hands off my finances. Satan, you can't have my mind. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus. And that is a command. I'm not playing games with you. I'm not fooling around. I mean business with you. Can you see that? Get excited, saint of God. Because this is truth. Jesus declared it. And He tells you how to do it. Whatsoever you shall ask or demand in My name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you want to glorify the Father in the Son? See, then we'll do it. And then, if you shall ask anything in My name, I will do it. Now go to John's Gospel, chapter 16. This was emphasized by the Spirit through the Apostle John to let us know that we have got to take our place and use the name of Jesus, demanding our rights and privileges. Otherwise, certain things will not be done on the earth. You are a figure of authority. Have you come to realize that? As a child of God, you are a figure of authority. You are a king and priest before God. You, as a king... Have power and authority in your word. For what the word of a king is, there is power or there is authority. And when the word of a king gives a command or a demand, all those under him or beneath him respond and do exactly what he said do. You know that as well as I do. You did not go against the word of a king if you wanted to live long in that day. Well, beloved, you and I are kings and priests before God. And when we use that name of the Lord Jesus Christ, devils, demons, and whatever, circumstances and situations, have got to line up. Why? Because Jesus said, I will do it. See, so you've got to see Him coming on the scene. You've got to see Him doing it, carrying out the work that needs to be accomplished. Now look at John 16:23. And in that day, in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Now, once again, Jesus talks about the Father in prayer. You go all the way back when we started this study and you remember that He, first of all, said that you ought to be like your Father which is in heaven by praying for those that persecute you. Then He talked about when you pray, pray to your Father in secret. Then he talked about pray, our Father which art in heaven. He used the Father figure in prayer time and time and time again. He is trying to make a point to let us know that this is a father-child relationship. And we can go into our Father's presence boldly and ask Him for certain things. But up until this point, he says, you have asked nothing of of the Father in my name. You may have known Him as Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God, Al-Shaddai the God of plenty who's more than enough, the great I am, whatever. But now there's coming a brand new day, a day in which men are going to be united together with God and there's going to be a relationship. It's going to be a father-child relationship. It's a brand new day, a brand new time, a brand new covenant, much better promises. You are no longer going to be an outcast. You are going to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God who is going to become your Heavenly Father. And in that day that He becomes your Father by giving birth to you two ways, through adoption and through regeneration. I like that. You're doubly born into the family of God. You've been adopted and you've been birthed. Glory to God. My goodness. He'll become your Father, and you have the right to ask Him anything in My name. Let's read it again. Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in My name, He will give it you. Hitherto, or up until now, have ye asked nothing in My name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. The day of the new covenant. The day of the resurrection. The day when resurrection life would be imparted to the spirit of a child of God. The day in which a child of God would receive the nature of the living God. A day when his sins would be remitted. A day he would become a brand new creature. A day he'd have a new standing before the Father's presence and throne in the heavenly high court of heaven. A day he can approach and say, the Father, I approach you in the name of Jesus. And I have a request. Ask, he says, anything in the Father, of the Father in the name of Jesus, and it's granted you. I don't know about you, but I like that. I like that. You ask the Father. No, Miss Father. Remember, you're his child, and ask him in Jesus' name, and he... Prayer then, based on legal grounds, is to the Father in the name of Jesus. It is to the Father in the name of Jesus. And you see a pattern of this throughout, uh, even in the book of Acts. They prayed and said, Lord, thou art God. They went right to the Father God. See, they weren't asking Jesus. Now, sometimes people will do that. They'll say, well, now, dear Lord Jesus, I'm asking you. But remember something. Jesus said, ask the Father in my name. Jesus is our Savior, Redeemer, Lord, baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire and healer and all that. We understand that. But he said in prayer, Ask the Father, your Father, in my name. He is wanting us to. He is instructing us to. He is directing us to do what? To ask the Father for what we need in his name. He wants us to develop this relationship, fellowship, intimacy with the Father to know him as Father God. Now, beloved, these ha- of, of old had to make a transition. They knew him as Lord God, Jehovah God, the great I Am of the old covenant. They knew all that, the maker of heaven and earth. But you see, to know him as Father, something as intimate as Father, was new to them also. To them he had to become the Father of lights and the Father of spirits. They didn't know that up until the point of regeneration. But Jesus began to introduce that thought to them when He started talking about the Father. He wanted them to know it's a relationship, it's a family thing. And you can just enter in and talk to your Father in My name, and He'll give it to you. He's actually saying it gives me great pleasure to let you know that now, when the new day comes, just as you have heard me and seen me go to the Father and ask Him certain things of Him, you can do the same thing. Just go to your Father and say, Father, I need whatever. And I'm asking you in Jesus' name to grant my request. It's that personal. It's that intimate. But can you understand that this has been provided for every child of God and not one, not one, who one might think is the lowest member in the body of Christ, not one would get turned away. Not one will be denied. Not one person is left out. It's for everyone. Every child of God has this right. We're living in that new day, the day of Satan's defeat, the day of resurrection life, the day that the blood's been shed and the high court of heaven is open to every child of God. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Stand before your Father and ask Him what you will and it shall be done unto you. Oh, Father God, you made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is and nothing is too difficult for you. I present myself to you in the name of Jesus and I now know I have an audience with you. You're right there, Saint. Did you hear that? You are right there in the Father's holiest presence when you make that statement, when you speak those words. Prayer to be effective is to the Father in the name of Jesus with the understanding that the Father hears your prayer because of what Jesus did for you. And you are His child. You have that status before Him, and you have a right to be there. Jesus made that very clear, and John emphasized that to us. Now I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to the book of Romans in chapter 8. These are things that Jesus said about prayer, things that are important to all of our lives, things that are needful to understand. If we want to be effective, prayers, if we want to get results in prayer. And I encourage every single one of us to really do a study just as far as these two verses are concerned. Take some time to meditate upon what Jesus said here. And then rise up and start using the power and authority that there is in the name of Jesus to command certain things to be done or demand certain things. As I said, not of God, but of the devil or of circumstances. You have a right to tell your body to line up to the Word of God. You have a right to speak to your business. You have a right to, to, to speak to, to demon powers or, or tumors or situations that you may encounter in life. You have a right to do that in the name of Jesus. He gave us that right. He actually is inviting us to use those rights and privileges. It's bringing Him on the scene. You can bring Him on the scene, saint. You can bring Him right there. To do a work on your behalf if you understand the power and authority of His name. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I just keep on emphasizing that because, beloved, I believe God is doing a work in some people's hearts and minds right now. Amen. Because some have, have toyed with some of the things with regard to demon powers and forces. You realize a child of God, knowing His right and privilege, does not have to be bothered by those demons. Amen. Give no place to the devil. Right. And how do I effectively not give place to the devil? By the authority of the name yeah. of Jesus. Amen. Refuse to give place to the devil. Amen. Refuse to entertain the thought the devils have access to your lives. You know, again, sometimes you're apprehensive about bringing up certain things, but... People get so caught up with deliverance types of ministries and, and they open up themselves to wrong voices and wrong spirits and all kinds of things. And then they entertain those things unawares. They don't realize they're opening up their lives just by entertaining activity of the devil, giving him place, recognizing him. Beloved, it's time that children of God rise up in the name of Jesus. Take your place as a child of the Most High God. Use your authority. And you know what? Stop fooling around with the devil and move on in God. Amen. Let God enlarge his borders in your life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You say, how can you say that? Well, when you see people having to get delivered 750 times a week, uh, yeah. my goodness, when will they ever get delivered? Right. If you've got to have a deliverance every every day and every night and twice on Sunday, <laughs> something's wrong. Right. I've been delivered. Right. When will you ever recognize you've been delivered? Then, when we ever shut the door by saying, in Jesus' name, I'm locking it up. Amen. Have you got the key? Yeah. You better say amen. <laughs> Who's got the key to your life? You've got it. You've got the key. You've got authority. This stands for the authority. You've got most authority in your life. You realize that you have so much authority in your life that God won't even override that authority? You have a right to be lost if you want to. God won't override that. You have authority in your own life. You Speak in the name of Jesus, the demon powers, and say, no access. No way. You can't enter in. I refuse to give place to you. Look at Romans chapter 8, if you would please, in verse 26. This is what Paul said about prayer. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself or himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, Jesus didn't say anything about this, but Jesus did let us know that this time would come. In that great day of the feast, Jesus spoke and said, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. As the Scripture said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the Spirit that they which believe on him should receive. So Jesus made them aware of the fact that one day a comforter was going to come. And when he does, he is going to flood your spirit with the life of God, the power of God, the anointing of God. He is going to occupy a place in your heart and in your life that will enable you to pray beyond Natural wisdom and understanding. He is going to impart to you abilities. He is going to represent to you spiritual powers and give you spiritual dominion in prayer. He is going to give you a dimension in prayer that you never had before. And that's what Paul is bringing out in these verses. There are those that criticize those who speak with other tongues. And those that do have no idea as to what they are missing they are cutting themselves off, severing themselves from a dimension of God that is so wonderful that they, without realizing it, are limiting God in their lives. This gibberish, what's it all about? Well, this being filled with the Holy Ghost and praying with other tongues adds a dimension in your life that enables you to pray supernaturally. It gives you access to things that you wouldn't even know about in prayer. It enables you to pray for things you wouldn't know about or pray in certain ways that you don't know about. It enables you to be more effective spiritually or supernaturally in prayer instead of being limited to your own understanding. And we're going to talk about this. But here, in these particular verses, the Apostle Paul is revealing to us the fact that the Spirit of God, who is our helper, is. Here on the inside of us to assist us in our prayer lives. See, to help someone means to assist someone to get the job done. He is on the inside of us helping us in prayer to get the job done, whatever job needs to be done. He takes prayer into another realm or another dimension. There are times when, in the Spirit, you can touch base with God. Not even knowing what you're praying for or praying about and you can get results and maybe six months down the road it was revealed to you what you were praying about. You never knew a word you said. You had no understanding whatsoever because you were praying in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost rose up on the inside of you. He took hold together with you against your inabilities to produce results. He took you to a higher dimension in prayer and enabled you to do something you could not do without His help or assistance. You may have prayed for somebody in a foreign land that was in need of dire help. The Holy Ghost assisted you. You touched base with God on that person's behalf and spared a life. You know, I really believe that we should do a majority of our praying in the Spirit. And we are really going to explore this in the upcoming teachings. But for now, I want you to hold that thought there and look at First Corinthians 14:14, 14, 14, because at least I want to share with you as to why you touch another realm and you unleash powers of the Spirit, supernatural powers in prayer, if you learn how to cooperate with the Spirit of God in prayer. I know we know how to pray in English. And we can say, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for for mommy or for daddy or I pray for my child or I pray for whoever, Aunt Susie, Uncle Jack. I know that they are in need of your help. I ask that you help, or touch, help them touch their life, heal their body, whatever it is in Jesus' name. Well, that's a wonderful prayer, but you know what? It may not get the job done. There may be more to it than what you know. There may be some things taking place in their lives that you don't know anything about. You have no idea what is going on and what needs to be dealt with in the realm of the Spirit. But as you then begin to supplement what you prayed in English by praying in the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden you are releasing out of your spirit the powers of God. The Holy Ghost is taking to hold together with you in prayer, enabling you to pray according to the perfect will of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Notice, my spirit prayeth. I'm reading it from the Amplified Version now. 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen it says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. In other words, I have no idea what I'm praying. I have no idea what I'm saying, but my spirit by the Holy Spirit in me is praying the perfect will of God. Amen. I have unleashed the powers of my spirit as they are united with the powers of the Holy Spirit and together we are working to accomplish the perfect will of God in the matter. And beloved, we are going to talk about this at length and in depth because I believe there are times when we have passed up opportunities to be yielded to the Spirit of God in prayer, because maybe we prayed out some simple prayer in English according to our own understanding and left it at that, when the Holy Ghost was right there beside us saying, don't stop now. Don't stop now. More needs to be done. I want to take the whole hold together with you. You may not know this. You may not understand this, but if you'll just trust me, trust the Spirit of God within your spirit, give in place, Give Him liberty. Give Him the opportunity to help you. He is your helper. That means He wants to help you. He wants to help me. We can't just shove Him aside and say, I don't need your help. We're not going to be as successful as we could possibly be. There are certain things that will never be achieved in this realm of life apart from touching base with God supernaturally in prayer by His Spirit who helps us pray according to the perfect will of God. So beloved, this thing with tongues, you see what the devil has done? He has hoodwinked people out there. They're out there thinking, oh, I'm not going to be like those crazy Pentecostal people that pray in that, that gibberish and they think they're doing something. I want to be among those intellectual ones that tell you all those days have ceased. Yeah, and just cut yourself very intelligently off from the Holy Ghost. Sever yourself right off from the ministry of the Spirit of God as if you're bigger. Come on now. Who doesn't need the Holy Ghost? Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter who's going to live in you, who's going to help you, assist you, equip you, enable you, take you in the realm of prayer where you've never been taken before. Are you ready to get taken? I said, are you ready to get taken in that realm? We're going to get in that realm, beloved. We are going to be taken there by the Spirit of God as we really learn how to be a yielded Person in prayer. Okay, Jesus brought us so far in prayer and then let's not, let's not forget this. Who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. So who, where do you think he got this teaching from? From Jesus. And didn't Jesus tell him then when you pray in the Spirit, your Spirit by the Holy Spirit prays? Yes, Now I don't know about what, what that does to him, but I know it does a lot for me. I'll close with this one more verse. You have to give me that liberty. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. I remember one time when I was um, in the hospital delivering room when Jason was being born and I took him into my arms. I quoted the 91st Psalm. I wasn't questioned when I quoted the 91st Psalm but then I started praying in the Holy Ghost. And one of the workers in there said, What are you saying? And I said, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to God. What does it say right here? He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto who? Unto God. Listen. How be it, for no man understandeth him, how be it in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries or divine secrets. Did you hear that? He is speaking divine secrets in the Spirit. Now, I know you ladies like to tell secrets. Men do too. Here's a way you can just, you can can mount them up. You start speaking in the Holy Ghost, you're speaking divine secrets. Secrets that God one day will reveal to you. Possibly. These secrets are between you and the Father God. They may pertain to your life. They may pertain to your future. You know some things have to be prayed out in the spirit. I said some things have to be prayed out in the spirit. You can give birth, you can give birth or you can birth things out of your spirit as you pray in the spirit. I was praying in the spirit on the way to work one day. When all of a sudden I shifted gears. Now, you know when you shift gears in the natural, I shifted gears in the spirit realm and I began to touch another realm in prayer. And I knew that I had done that. And all of a sudden, it shifted then from tongues into interpretation of tongues as I began to speak out of my mouth in English that which I was speaking in the spirit. It was a divine secret. See, God chose to to share a secret with me. That's why I'm telling you, ladies, you like secrets. You know, God will share some secrets with you if you're praying enough in the Holy Ghost. And He did. He did. And he spoke out some things about events that would take place in the future that have since come to pass in different areas and on different occasions. But those things were birthed. They were brought to pass in the Spirit. You see, the Bible says we're to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And this is one way in which we can stay in the Spirit. By exercising our spirit, praying in the Spirit, we can stay in the Spirit we can touch a realm in prayer that otherwise we have no other way of touching. And we can get involved in divine secrets. We can burr things out of our spirit and bring them out into the natural realm if we'll just begin to trust and have faith in the operation of the Spirit in our prayer lives. So it's not just to come to church and start just everybody just worshiping in tongues or something like that. And that's, that's wonderful. But, beloved, you can do it in your private devotional prayer life And if you will, you'll touch, as I said, a Roman prayer that you have no other way of touching. And it will give birth to some things that will absolutely bring to pass the will of God for your life. Because you're praying the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. I can't talk about it anymore. (laughs) Come on up here and let's pray in the Spirit. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry.